guests and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Good evening and welcome to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Today's date is July the 23rd, 2021. It is a hot and muggy evening here in North Carolina where the Black Talk Media Project is based. And to make matters worse, our AC without out of Freon and we're trying to get somebody to get out here as soon as possible to uh, replenish the Freon in our AC uh, central air unit and I tell you boy um, but it just reminds me you know what did we do before air conditioning you know I, I'm a child of the 70s I was born in 66 um, I have memories going back to the 70s I don't remember much before the 70s but I do know we did not have air conditioning we just had fans and open windows and so that's how I'm riding tonight so y'all had to bear with me as I bear through uh, this heat with no air conditioning so tonight the topic is combating academic terrorism and we will be joined by a North the 2019 North Carolina Social Studies Teacher of the Year, um, a brother by the name of Rodney Pierce, who I've known Rodney for a while now through Facebook. We connected uh, many, many years ago, and I suspect it was through Black Talk Radio and, and him, you know, hearing some of our broadcasts and podcasts on the Black Talk Radio Network. So, you know, I've been long an admirer of his quest for historical knowledge. He is a social studies history, so, you know, it's not just a hobby for him, but it's a profession. Now, he teaches, I believe, middle school um, students here in North Carolina, and as I stated, he was the 2019 Social Studies Teacher of the Year. And so I reached out to him after he was featured in an article on Mother Jones, which I have linked to in the program description, um, this article was titled The Moral Panic Over Critical Race Theory is Coming for a North Carolina Teacher of the Year. And Mr. Pierce was highlighted, unfortunately, in that article. And I say unfortunately because, as you will hear in some of these clips that I'm going to play before he's joining us at the top of the hour, but one of the last clips that I will play is... Some teachers are resigning their position because of death threats from these crazy, crazy um, conservatives. And as I have written before, you know, I, pu- I had an article published in the local uh, paper, Gastonia Gazette, that I had written about critical race theory and Confederate monuments because these Confederate monuments here in North Carolina are protected by a 2015 law that was passed by a Republican majority legislature and signed into law in 2015 by Republican Pat McCory, who is the former 
uh, governor of North Carolina. And so that's the intersection of race and law. And as I, you know, stated in that article, this is why we need people studying critical race theory because all, you know, I've heard different definitions of critical race theory. Um, there's a whole lot of gaslighting going on and this is really a political ploy by Republicans to try to make this a campaign issue. And unfortunately, you know, especially those who follow, follow the talking heads and take their cues from Fox News is these people don't have a problem with lying. Critical race theory has been around for 40 years, 40 years. And if it was doing all that these people in these clips say that it was doing in these past 40 years, it would have been become an issue before now, 40 years later. How all of a sudden is this an issue now? Well, as I've also written, this is because Republicans don't have any real issues to run on. So they manufacture issues and the big thing that they have been manufacturing over the, over the past few years is this thing called reverse racism where before when, when non-white people would talk about racism in the United States or anywhere in the world, they would say, Oh, we're playing the victim card. But now that's all they play is the victim card trying to portray themselves as victims of these radicalized Marxist socialist black folks running BLM that's 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 trying to teach black people to kill whitey <laughs> for real that's what some of these people are saying and while this topic or this issue which is really a non-issue because critical race theory isn't taught in K through 12 um, classrooms. This is again a, a very small corner of higher learning of academia and these courses, this critical race theory course which examines the intersection of race and law and the impact that those racist laws have on a people, okay? It's only taught in a small number of universities from some of the professors that I have, you know, listened to talk about it, it was like public school students in K through 12 aren't even skilled enough or they're not advanced enough to even, you know, talk about critical race theory or take the class because it requires critical thinking, something that isn't taught. No, they're not taught. Like many teachers have complained they are being forced to teach to a test to to just regurgitate the answers to questions and not really critically think about anything. And, and you know, that can be seen in this critical race theory um, so-called debate, which isn't really a debate. So, you know, we'll be talking to Mr. Pierce here at the top of the hour about this manufactured uh, controversy. Um, he feels that it has put a target on his back and he teaches predominantly black students. And uh, and also in, in the description, I don't know if I'll get to share many of these articles during this broadcast, but I have put them and linked to, to these articles in the description for further study on your behalf um, 
one of them came from my local paper. Now, this was after I wrote uh, to my local paper and as a guest columnist and and had the article published on uh, critical race theory and Confederate monuments. Here comes a person behind me talking about students should learn math and science and not about critical race theory. Again, here in Gaston County, North Carolina, and I suspect from from the different things that I have watched with these these people with this fake outrage at these school board meetings, I have yet to have a single one of them point to any lesson plan or any school curriculum that's teaching critical race theory. You know why they're not citing any examples? Because they don't exist because it's not being taught. This is this is again um a tactic in my opinion by republicans who don't want to talk about medicare for all who don't want to talk about raising the federal minimum wage to a living wage who don't want to talk about affordable housing matter of fact i read an article that most people in the united states well all people in the united states making at least the federal the federal minimum wage can't afford an apartment in the United States. So if you think we got a lot of homelessness now, um, you know, which we had a huge home, uh, families becoming homeless after the Great Recession or the mortgage fraud of 2008 where all these banks got bailed out for gambling with these mortgages and lost and then all these families got put out on the street. So, um, you know, that's always a constant threat, housing insecurity, you know. So they don't want to talk about those issues, but they want to manufacture issues around race. In fact, again, what they have over the years accused Democrats and progressive of race baiting, that's exactly what they have resorted to, race baiting. Why don't they want American history taught or or more accurately U.S. history we even have black people because I as I you know was going to say this isn't really a black and white issue this isn't black people versus white people or non-white people versus white people because I coined the term a few years ago called proxy racism what is proxy racism you ask Proxy racism is when you have racists who use non-white people as their proxies and send them out into the public to repeat their talking points. They come from racists. I mean, you got, I'm going to play this clip of this black man who's talking about, oh, I got two, I got a, I got a, a degree, a, a medical degree. I don't know if he said he was a doctor or not. And, but talking about, so how am I oppressed? Now, don't get me wrong. I do think some on the left go a little bit too far. And I have my debates with with some of these people on the left. For example, you know, one of the things that people who are regular listeners to this podcast will note that I always bring on uh, Brother Kwabana Rasuli of Clear the Airways Project. Um, because his organization has a mission to clean up the public FCC licensed airwaves of all this murder music, all this degenerate music. 
that is going across the FCC licensed airways in violation of the FCC rules, which the FCC doesn't want to report. Okay. And, and I know a lot of people don't want to, I don't, I don't typically use the term black on black crime. I call it intercommunity crime because all communities, despite their racial makeup, have crime, have violence, have, have domestic violence. Okay. And we see it playing out on the news every day. And I'm a black person and I know me talking, I don't feel any kind of personal responsibility for black people killing people in their communities or, or anywhere. I don't feel any kind of personal responsibility, but I was reading an article the other day that was saying that was trying to excuse the violence by saying the reason these young black men is out here doing all these acts of violence is because of police oppression. I'm like, get the, get the heck out of here with that because one of my uncles was murdered. There was a man who was jealous of him because of his, his high school sweetheart who he had married and they got into a, a physical fight and my uncle beat, beat him down. In other words, he won the fight and then they had car trouble, the people he was riding with. And then the guy, uh, goes to his house and retrieves a gun and then comes and shoot my uncle in the back. How is that the fault of the police? How is that the fault of any any kind of societal oppression? I am one who believe that individuals are responsible for their actions. Now, there is some truth to the fact that poverty does cause crime. But what happened to my uncle had nothing to do with poverty. It had to do with jealousy. It had to do with the fact that you couldn't beat a man which in a in a fair fight, so you had to go get a gun and shoot him in the back. Okay? So yes, I do think some liberals go too far on some of these things, but these conservatives though, they off the chain. They they really are off the chain. And many of them know that these are lies they're telling about CRT and it's just wholly manufactured. So, you know, this person going to write, students should learn math and science, not about critical race theory. Again, he lives in Gaston County just like I do. I went to Gaston County schools. My children went to Gaston County schools. My grandsons go to Gaston County schools. My niece went to Gaston County schools. I have nephews in Gaston County schools. And they are not being taught critical race theory or anything of the sort. Hell, heck, I don't even remember being taught about any kind of institutional or societal racism in the United States. When I was in school, everything that I know, most of the stuff that I know, I learned on my own by researching because of the Internet. But like I've said before in the past, the Internet is a double-edged sword, which we can see. You can get a lot of uh, facts and do a lot of research and get a lot of information off the internet because now you have access to educational sources that you may not have had access before the internet but it's a double-edged sword because now you also have access to a lot of misinformation as we're seeing during this pandemic okay so then another article I I, I, uh, posted for you 
Text, the Texas Senate passes a bill that removes a requirement to teach the Ku Klux Klan as morally wrong. Now think about that. Think about that. They, in Texas, Republicans don't want children to be taught that terrorism is wrong. Obviously, that they are picking and choosing which terrorism they want to condemn. They don't want to condemn the terrorism of possibly their fathers and mothers and, and grandparents and great-grandparents. So they, they don't, they, they specifically put into law in this bill that I don't think is passed yet that you can't teach that KKK race-based terrorism is morally wrong. But I bet you if you ask them, well, what about Islamic terrorism? You know, where that's jihad is being waged and these, these young men are being taught that, hey, if you kill yourself and kill the enemy, in the process that you'll have 99 virgins waiting for you in heaven. You'll be rewarded. So are they in fact going to say that that's not morally wrong to tell people that? Of course not. Because you know what? What they are proposing is racist. And, and I'm just going to call it what it is. It's if it walked like a duck, quite like a duck, and, and spew crap like a duck, then guess what? It's a duck. Another article, GOP sees critical race theory battle as a potent midterm weapon. And that's what I put into my article on critical race theory and Confederate monuments that this is a wholly politically motivated anti-intellectual movement based on riling up Donald Trump's base of neo-Nazis and neo-Confederates and, and other assortments of various races. This is just to gen, gen them up and get them all fired up to turn out to vote during the midterms because they don't care. They don't even care about all these poor, and I'm going to say it, oppressed white people who are oppressed through the poverty wages that the 1%. You know, you just heard Jeff Bezos, maybe you heard, maybe you didn't, bragging about his little 10-minute space flight being paid for by the employees of Amazon, employees forced to pee in bottles in order to meet their quotas and all the other inhumane working conditions. So again, I'm not one of those people that's going to say that white people aren't oppressed. A lot of them are, but they get easily distracted by Republicans with this crap called reverse racism. Okay, so let me go ahead and go into these clips again. Uh, we should be joined at the top of the hour by the North Carolina 2019 Social Studies Teacher of the Year, Mr. Rodney Pearson. Please check out that article as well. I'll be sharing once he comes on a little bit from that article because we got some statements from this white person that makes absolutely no sense. And then we got some statements from the black Republican lieutenant governor of North Carolina, also on that ban critical race theory bandwagon.
You're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much that's pretty much all I can say. It's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You going to deliberately teach kids this white kid right here got it better than you because he's white. You going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, because only got five minutes now, not five minutes. Two medical degrees. No mom, no dad in the house. Worked my way through college. Sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You going to tell me somebody that looks like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't going to be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't going to let you get no, oh, you know you're not going to be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man going to keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely going to complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black kids. The mother dog will sit there and just pee, must pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. When it all comes down to it, the person that's going to be suffering from this, the one that's going to be hurt from this, is the kids. Yeah. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it going to be? Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on and blame for this? Because this is stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the community. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. And that's not one white person ever going to keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff BS. So there you go again. Critical race theory, totally misrepresented by this guy spewing talking points that we've heard before no nobody's saying that you can't overcome obstacles but at the same time statistics don't lie wealth inequality is by race although again the gap between the rich and the poor is getting bigger despite your skin color but who's always on the bottom of that right non-white people who don't get to pay the same rates that you have white males being paid. If if racism wasn't occurring, then why do these companies settle these lawsuits? Why do the statistics say what they say? Okay? Again, I'm very fortunate to never have been to prison. Never have been to prison. But I have experienced racism on the job. That was oppression. Okay, and so for him to sit up there and act like this is basically a Negro talking about racism don't exist no more. When we see on video extreme acts of racism, 
Now, I'm not going to say that the reason he's taking this view is because his, his wife is white and he has a biracial child, I believe. But his wife, his wife is white because I know mixed race couples who are absolutely not spewing this nonsense. Just because he was fortunate enough to go to college and get whatever two medical degrees he has does not mean oppression doesn't exist. Hell, we live in a country that's still practicing slavery. But slave, and, and while it disproportionately impacts black folks and everything that goes along with it, like slave catching, oh, y'all call it policing, but white males are also gunned down in the street unarmed. I created a page called White Lives Matter to highlight those cases. To show these people, this isn't just a black issue. This is a people issue. They got their boots on all our necks. Some necks more than others, but still, necks have boots on them. Or chokeholds. So, nonsense. Let's go to the next one. Of course, this stuff is being promoted by right-wing media. As more parents and teachers condemn critical race theory in our kids' classrooms, our next guest is warning about an alarming shift that is happening. Ramona Bessinger has been teaching for 22 years, and she has written in a new op-ed, quote, I'm a middle school teacher and see how critical race curriculum is creating racial hostility in school. She joins us now. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. Please tell us your story. As I read to our viewers this quote from your op-ed, that really stops you in your tracks about what is happening in America's classrooms. This past school year, you write, was a sad and worrisome turning point for me as an educator. We were introduced to one of the most racially divisive, hateful, and in large part historically inaccurate curriculums I have ever seen. Some students started calling me America because I was white. These students, whom I love, were turning against me because of my skin color. Ramona, share your story. Well, I'd like to start with just this, that every single parent, every mother, every father, every student should be concerned right now. Because what I have seen in the past year is nothing short of divisive and uh, going to heighten racial violence um, in our country. The curriculum has replaced all vetted, historically accurate American literature, American history. African-American studies um, and that to me was the most alarming so initially we were very very excited about having a new curriculum that was supposed to increase reading and writing scores but that is absolutely not the case the books uh, portray one small part of American history an important part of American history that all of us should be teaching which is that slave narrative it is very important don't not to discount that However, we cannot omit our entire history and our entire culture. Basically, last year, was an er we basically erased all of American history, and that is alarming mm. and worrisome and should be alarming to all of us. And there are some, including a PTA official, who very vocally called out parents and teachers who are anti-CRT. This went viral. Listen. Oh, sorry. I, don't, I do have that. Listen. Let's deny this off-key band of people that are anti-education, anti-teacher, 
Ramona, she has now resigned, we are told. Uh, she says in her explanation while doing so that she was not wishing, wish, wishing death on parents opposed to teaching CRT in schools. She hopes rather that parents' right-wing ideals would die. Is that what is at work with these parents who are against CRT in the classroom? Absolutely not. These are not right-wing ideals. These are not left-wing ideals. These are American human ideals. And quite frankly, these issues concern all people, black, white, brown, all people across the United States. This has nothing to do with race. And by the way, if the call is to uh, create diversity and equity, to use one of their phrases, and inclusion, this curriculum that we had to teach in Providence is not that. It is not inclusive. It is not diverse. It is not... Um, uh, equitable. Mm. Ramona, I know it must be tough to speak out, and I know that while you're doing all this, you're saying yeah. you love those children, but um, there are major challenges as an educator right now, and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Bah, wah. Thank you. The danger of white woman's tears have gotten many a black folks lynched in this country. Yet she claims that, oh, this isn't a left or a right, but then, you know, she's using language that that certainly supports the fact that she's on one side and, and other people are on the other side. Again, show me where critical race theory, which is a college-level course, is being taught in K-12 schools. Show me. Now, for, for people's information, you know, I... One of the things that I was um, thinking about is the whitewashed version of history. Why do white people seem to think that because of what somebody like Thomas Jefferson, a rapist and a slaver who bragged about his wealth increasing with, with the birth of every enslaved African on his plantation, you know, why do they identify with people like that? They, there are plenty of white abolitionists who have given their lives that I was never taught about and didn't learn about until I started educating myself on the abolitionist movement of old as I launched a podcast called New Abolitionist Radio, recognizing the fact that the 13th Amendment does not abolish slavery but creates a new form. Why don't they identify with the white abolitionists? There are white abolitionists. There was one uh, a preacher who was run out of Texas for preaching abolitionism. Oh, I also shared an article about how back during pre-1865 slavery, before the advent of prison slavery, okay, before the advent of prison slavery, that this preacher was run out of Texas for preaching abolitionism. Uh, uh, yeah, preaching the abolishment of slavery. And I shared an article about how back then, just like today, they're trying to ban anything that deals with race, the racist history in this country. They're trying to ban it. They were, they passed laws back then banning abolitionist literature. Now, forgive me, it's been a while since I read about this name, but I think his name was Anthony Bewley. Anthony Bewley, 
Um, he was a white abolitionist preacher who was run out of Texas, chased down. They caught him in Missouri. They murdered him. Then they burnt, they boiled his body until all the meat fell off his bones. And then they put his bones on display in a general store where little white kids would come and play with his bones. Not that the little white kids knew what they were playing with, you know, but that is the history that isn't being taught. Now, that was a white man who gave his life for the abolishment of slavery. But how often are we taught about these people? Why don't white people identify with those abolitionists? There are plenty of white abolitionists. Many of them join, join the Union Army to put down the racist, slaving new nation of the United States of the Confederacy. Many of them died. Without them, plantation slavery would not have been abolished when it was. So why, why do we only learn about racist men like George Washington who didn't want blacks serving in the Continental Army, okay, who was very much against that because he was a racist slaver. Very much against that. And finally, battlefield conditions and the fact that the British started recruiting victims of slavery to join them with promises of freedom. So then, too, the, the Continental Army was forced to admit African-descendant people who served in the, in the Revolutionary War three times longer than your average white colonist. This isn't taught in school. This isn't taught. I mean, we learn about them, but it's only the quote-unquote good stuff. Oh, George Washington uh, chopped down the cherry tree and said he couldn't lie about it. You know, these myths. Or Thomas Jefferson, again, bragging about the increase of his wealth with the victim, uh, with the birth of every victim of slavery, not to mention... He, him and George Washington were cheating on their wives, committing adultery by raping their victims of slavery and producing children with them. I don't know if George Washington, there isn't much documentation on whether or not he produced children with his victims, but certainly Thomas Jefferson did. Why don't we, like, for example, when my grandson, um, you know, I'm helping him with through virtual learning and he gets a reading comprehension lesson and it's featuring Thomas Jefferson and it's all whitewashed, all whitewashed mentions nothing. I mean, now he's just 10 years old. So obviously you're not going to expect a 10 year old to understand a lesson on the contradictions, but you could have wrote one. You could have had, you could have again, why even pick Thomas Jefferson? Why not pick somebody like, uh, let's say, Alexander Hamilton, who was an abolitionist? How come we know so much about the slaver founders, but we don't know about the abolitionist founders? So it's your fault. It's your fault. The people in charge of public education for teaching this whitewashed version that erases the contributions of black people to this democracy so-called democracy, which is what the part of what the 1619 project was about till Donald Trump started demonizing it. 
It was talking about the contributions of African Americans that you don't read about. How many of you know who Benjamin Banneker was? Were you taught about him in, two, in K through 12? Did you learn about how this black man was the architect of Washington, D.C., laid out all the streets and stuff and, and the almanac that he produced? He was not only a mathematician but and an architect, but he was also an astrologer. Do you, do you hear anything about his contributions? No, you don't. It's just totally erased so that you think that this country was was came into being strictly by the hand of white males the slavers of course no you don't know I tell you man so again why aren't you teaching about why aren't the history books having lessons on these quote unquote good white people who seem to have a moral compass and believe in human rights for all why we don't learn about them where are their monuments at these these courthouses in the south why do we have all confederate monuments to racist slavers why why do we have them because of institutional and societal racism and the fact that we have evil people in this country who profess to know god and pay god in christ's lip service but yet they plainly practice in idolatry. Where is where I live in Gaston County last year, you know, I helped lead a lot of protests against that Confederate monument that's still standing, despite a majority of the community, black and white and Asian and Hispanic citizens of Gaston County voting to remove that monument, coming to commissioner meetings, speaking out against that monument. And that monument still standing when this county is named after William Gaston. William Gaston, who became an abolitionist and predicted the Civil War was going to come if we did not abolish slavery. This is your namesake. Where is his monument? So again, don't tell me that these, this visual terrorism and oppression doesn't exist when certainly it does let me see I think I got um, another clip saying critical race theory is racist theory this is a proxy racist black person again I coined the term proxy racism to explain why you see non-white people spewing racist talking points in support of clearly I have no problem calling a racist a racist. The Department of Education under the Biden administration is about as far left-wing as you can imagine. Former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos ripping the Biden administration for promoting a link to a radical activist group that pushes critical race theory in schools. It comes as some major media outlets are continuing to ignore the story entirely. Here to react, civil rights attorney, former teacher, and Fox News contributor, Leo Terrell. Leo, welcome to the program. Thanks for staying up with well, us. Um, let's I'm, a little, I'm a little yeah. upset, Todd, Todd and Jillian, because it took me five months to get on Fox and Friends oh. first. But I'm here. Glad heads to be will here. roll, We wanted Leo you here Terrell. every day. Lee, heads will roll. We'll talk to people. <laughs> um, but let's face it. If uh, not for Fox, if not for our friends Aisha Hosni and Lawrence Jones, the Biden Department of Education would have gotten away with this, right? 
you're absolutely correct. Let's, let's be very clear. The Biden administration got caught. They were lying. And but for the Fox News article this week, Fox, the, the Biden administration was trying to conceal this. And now they're lying about it. it was an error. You cannot believe them. They have tried to put critical race theory in every aspect of government, in the State Department, in the, uh, the military, and definitely in education. We have to call them on this. And thank goodness for Fox News. Well, here's the Department of Education statement to Fox News. This reads, quote, The department does not endorse the recommendations of this group, nor do they reflect our policy positions. It was an error in a lengthy document to include this citation. Leo, you know, with everything that's going on and to see something like this and have them say this was an error, um, obviously a lot of people question whether or not it was truly an error, but how much of a role do you think this topic is going to play in 2022? Oh, there's no, Jillian, there's no question. It's a key component in the 2022 election. And the Democrats are worried because there are families throughout the entire country arguing, raising these issues at local school boards. They're looking at the curriculum. They're looking at the lesson plans. And I guarantee you, critical race theory is a racist theory. And I want to destroy this myth right now. People. Okay, that's enough of that. Notice how they never say the name of the group. I don't even know what they're talking about. And anybody that think that Joe Biden is a leftist, well, huh, I got some prime swamp land I would like to sell you. Because Jim Crow Joe is not on the left. And never has been. He's in the Democratic Party, but he's not a leftist anybody trying to describe him as one but he did say one key thing they're trying to make this an issue for the 2022 elections and again post some links to these lesson plans post some links to this college level course that's being taught to K through 12 students I all the articles I've come across I can't find a single link now, I have found some lesson plans labeled critical race theory on the Internet that was meant for K through 12 students. And what was it? And what was one of the lesson plans talking about? It was talking about a white abolitionist and how he was against slavery. These people are manufacturing all this stuff. Believe do you do you really believe if critical race theory was teaching black folks to hate white folks? that they wouldn't have brought it up before now again it's 40 years old it's 40 years old now i don't i don't know if um we have mr pierce on the line uh mr pierce if you'll press i believe it's the number one to signal me that you're on the line um so i don't make a mistake okay yeah that's that's mr pierce but but give me just a second you mean to tell me that critical race theory, an academic college level course, has been around for 40 years and Ronald Reagan didn't bring it up? George H.W. Uh, Bush didn't bring it up? George W. Bush didn't bring it up? The dead Rush Limbaugh never brought it up in 40 years? This is holy manufactured movement that has been politicized and being used as a political weapon. Now, I want to bring on Mr. Pierce 
And just let me share a little bit from the article that I linked to that has featured him. Uh, the moral panic over critical race theory is coming for a North Carolina teacher of the year. How Rodney D. Pierce started to feel like a target. This was published July the 15th of this year on Mother Jones. Dot com, which also uh, published the article that I linked to about the banning of abolitionist literature during the abolitionist movement of pre-1865 slavery. Many of them white abolitionists, but yeah. This is not a black versus white issue. This is a morally right versus wrong issue. And in terms of teaching history, this is what the history shows. Why do you want to ban it? You know, Hitler Hitler and the Nazis was banning books and stuff that they felt like was unfavorable to Germany. The article starts off, in the first week of classes in August, Rodney D. Pierce, a social studies teacher at Red Oak Middle School in Battleboro, North Carolina, set the stage for his eighth graders by sharing a quote from James Baldwin. American history is longer larger, more various, more beautiful, and more terrible than anything has anyone has ever said about it. Now, I want y'all to go back to that clip I played of that white teacher talking about we need to teach everything in so many words. Talking about it's good, it's the bad, and, and so that's what James Baldwin said. There's good and bad in U.S. history. Why should we try to suppress any of it? But again, I don't, I don't, yes, I do mean to repeat myself. The white abolitionists who made great sacrifices towards ending slavery and bringing about equality under the law are not taught to these little white kids. Could it be that they want them to not aspire to be against slavery, to be against racism, and, and instead all we want to teach them about is a whitewashed version of Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and Benjamin Franklin. Oh, don't get me started on Benjamin Franklin, who 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 was a proponent of murdering indigenous people and taking their land, who was even a xenophobe and wrote in his paper about complaining about German immigrants coming to the United States with this swarthy complexion. So I was like, let me look up what swarthy means. What's the definition of swarthy? The definition is dark complexion. Yes. Benjamin Ban uh um Benjamin Franklin was a xenophobic racist. All right. So Pierce told the students that they were going to learn about both the beautiful and the horrifying parts of the state and country's past. We need to talk about all of it, he explained, because that is American history. Without further delay, let's welcome on my friend. I hope I can call you a friend, Rodney. We've been connected to each other through <laughs> social media for so many years, man. And, you know, I've yes, always sir. Yes, sir. I always looked at you as a kindred spirit in your, your thirst for history and learning it and disseminating yes, it. So this is a politically wrought topic, 
And I do have a clip I'm going to play later on where you have educators resigning over death threats from this critical race theory controversy. So would you please go ahead and give your disclaimer now? Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for having me, Scott. I really do appreciate uh, everything you do through your broadcast. And uh, I've learned a lot from you uh, just by following you on social media and by listening to your broadcast tonight, you know, enlightening me to some things that I was aware of and may have forgotten or uh, wasn't aware of at all. And uh, my views and responses that I give to you tonight and to your listeners are my own and do not represent Nash County Public Schools, my district. All right. And, you know, we play a, we play a disclaimer um, because I run a nonprofit called the Black Talk Media Project. So my views and the views of the guests do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project and Black Talk Radio Network. So we got that out the way. So, Rodney. Yes, sir. Thank you. I came across this. Yes, I came across this article, man, and I had to reach out for you first mm-hmm. out of concern because I see all the vitriol yes, that's going out against teachers who aren't even teaching critical race theory. So I guess my my mm-hmm. first question to you, what is critical race theory? I've shared different people's definition. What is your definition of critical race theory? And do you teach it? Uh, and to my understanding, critical race theory is a legal theory that was introduced, excuse me, that was developed back during the 1970s by legal scholars of color, people like Derek Bell. And it basically tries to explain the intersection of race or racism as it pertains to law and public policy. And basically tries to challenge the, the liberal, mainstream liberal approaches to civil rights initiatives. Because these scholars, as I understand it, did not think enough progress was being made in terms of civil rights gains for African Americans and other people of color. So they wanted to study what was going on. So they wanted to go deeper behind the veil, so to speak, to study the intersection of race and racism and uh, public policy as well as lawmaking. Right. Public- and I think one of the key one of the key um, tenets of it is that race is a social construct. And race is a social construct. If we go back to the um, 1681 colonial Maryland um, laws, that's the first time you see white in any type of law in terms of race uh, in American history, and which is actually, you know, in the colonial era. And that's because you had white women um, or English women or British women, as they were called prior to being called white, having children with enslaved and free black men. So the word white was introduced into the legal lexicon to discourage miscegenation, if I pronounce that correctly. You know, basically, you know, intermarrying or interracial marriage between black men and white women. And then it goes back even further to Bacon's Rebellion in 1676 to discourage the multiracial coalition of indentured black men, and enslaved black men, free black men, and indentured white men and poor white men who were fighting against the planter elite during Baker's Rebellion, who were taking all the arable and farmable land for themselves and leaving those poor men of all those other ethnicities and races to vouch for themselves against the indigenous tribes on the frontier. So it's all, you know, if you if you look at the history of race when it was introduced, it's been used to divide and conquer. And it was typically used by you know, white people, white males <laughs> who were in uh, political well, power or wealthy, economic power. Wealthy white males, right. 
Cause it, cause yes, it, sir. it cause, I mean, we, we even see that today, how wealth rules politics in this country. When you look behind the veil yes, and you see all these billionaires and these, these multinational corporations influencing policy mm-hmm. that benefits the wealthy to the detriment of One black, of to black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American working class. Mm-hmm. One of the names that you never hear mentioned when you when people talk about President Trump, they talk about his wealth. But one of the names you never hear mentioned is a man who funded his campaign, and that's uh, Robert Mercer. Robert Mercer, who's a billionaire. I think he got his money through um, technology. But Robert Mercer is the reason that you saw Steve Bannon and, and um, I can't remember the young lady's name. Kelly, not not Kelly, Miss Conway. Was it Conway? Conway. Kelly I can't Conway. Remember his former advisor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly Conway, yeah, that's one of the reasons that you saw those two people around President Trump was because they were connected to Robert Mercer, mm. you know. So that's a, that's another billionaire, you know, behind the veil, behind the scenes, that was, uh, you know, funding President Trump's campaign. From what I read, he was initially behind Senator Cruz, you know, who I who I like to, who I like to call Eduardo Rafael, since he insists on calling himself Ted. You know, his his real name is Eduardo Rafael. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when uh, Senator Cruz didn't fare as well, uh, Mr. Mercer threw his money behind President Trump, former President Trump. Mm. You know, as I'm sitting here looking at Virginia Slave Code 1705 on uh, PBS.org, you know, I'm just reminded that mm-hmm. the first time I heard the term black codes, because when you say black codes today, anybody that's knowledgeable mm-hmm. about history, especially African-Americans, they will immediately think about Jim Crow. But that wasn't the first. Yes, sir. That wasn't the first instance of black codes being passed as you mentioned some of the Maryland laws mm-hmm. you know when it was still a colony but then you also had the Virginia mm-hmm. slave slave codes now if you taught about mm-hmm. those coalitions between poor whites indentured whites indentured African descendant people um, even free black people because people had like there was no free black people during colonial times when there certainly were you know you could teach history that would, in a way, that would promote unity. But this isn't what they they mm-hmm. teaching. They are the ones, mm-hmm. what we have now, you know, not yourself withstanding, I'm speaking in, in broad terms, from when I was in school and even my children and grandchildren in the district that I am, I am in, that is divisive. That is what's divisive. Because, again, as I was stating earlier, mm-hmm. I didn't learn about any white abolitionists until hell. I started researching the abolitionist movement in 2013. <laughs> but yes, but, sir. But let, let me read the Virginia Slave Codes of 1705. The status of blacks in Virginia slowly changed over the last half of the 17th century. The black indentured servant, with his hope of freedom, was increasingly being replaced by the black. Um victim of slavery because I don't use the term slave that's a dehumanizing term and mm-hmm. we need to correct our language yes, on sir. that um, in 1705 the Virginia General Assembly, Assembly removed any lingering uncertainty about this terrible transformation it made a declaration that would seal the fate of African Americans for generations to come all servants 
imported and brought into the country who were not Christians. So we have religious bigotry there who were not Christians in their native country <laughs> shall be accounted and be slaves. All Negro, mulatto, and Indian slaves within this dominion, and I'm only using the term slave because that I'm, I'm reading a quote. Um, Indian slaves mm-hmm. within this dominion shall be held to be real estate. Now, I'm just thinking, mm-hmm. you know, we got private prison corporations that technically are listed on the stock market as real estate companies, right? <laughs> so, this, right. I mean, this goes back, <laughs> way back in the history right. that you wouldn't even make connect I mean, the dots unless you studied right. and researched. It says if any right. slave... And I, I apologize. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying I apologize for not answering your, your other question that you answered me at the beginning of the broadcast. No, I do not teach critical race theory in my classroom. And I would go so far as to say no social studies teacher in the state of North Carolina, and my, my, I believe, does not teach critical race theory in the classroom. As someone who worked on the new social studies standards that caught so much, that drew so much controversy this past year and on the unpacking documents, uh, only black male teacher, K-12 through teacher in the entire state of North Carolina who worked on them, I can tell you what we sought to do was to create standards and unpacking documents that would create the atmosphere and allow teachers to create uh, to teach a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive version of American history where more perspectives, particularly those of marginalized populations that have been historically marginalized, would have their um, voices heard. That's what we sought to do. So what, what they're calling critical race theory is basically a more equitable and inclusive version of American history being taught that they don't want taught, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Um, with that opinion, and I don't know why they wouldn't want it. Why they don't want people learn, children learn about Bacon's Rebellion? Why they don't want to learn about how white indentured servants and black indentured servants and and poor free mm-hmm. people of both colors and banded together to go against mm-hmm. their harsh, oppressive treatment by the wealthy planter class? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, to me, that promotes unity, right? Because we certainly got more working yes, class people in this country than we do wealthy people. So, uh, I, right. I mean, I, I, you talked about. You're talking about, uh, you're talking about the black code, Scotty. I'll take you back even further. What about the uh, the black codes or the code no air back in uh, colonial France? Back in the uh, late 17th, excuse me, the late uh, 17th century. You know, who do you, where do you think they got it from? I mean, where do you think the black codes in the United States came from? I they did got not know France. that. Wasn't France one of our? Wasn't France one of our allies during the American Revolution? Yes, they were. Can we get money from France? Yes. Let me, they let me did. read to you some of those. Uh, some of these codes. Okay. Slaves must not. Slaves must not carry weapons except under permission of their masters for hunting purposes. A slave who struck his or her master, his wife, mistress, or children would be executed. Masters must give food and clothes to their slaves, even to those who are sick or old. Slaves should not sell any other commodity without permission of their masters. Children born to married slaves were also slaves belonging to the female slave's master. So those are just some of them. You know, fugitive slaves, absent for a month, should have their ears cut off and be branded. Come on, man. Come on. And that's France. That, that, I, mean, I mean, where do you think they got it from? That's France. I did not that's know France, that. Where, who, where you were just talking 
Right. Where 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 Thomas Jefferson, oh TJ is what I call him in class, you know, to make my students laugh. You know, I say TJ, you know, uh goes over to France, sends for his daughter, who comes over with Sally, and Sally's in her early teens, Thomas is widowed and in his early forties, and they start an intimate relationship and he impregnates her. She was pregnant when they came back to Virginia, from what I understand. She lost the first child, then she had the other six. You know, this is his wife's half-sister, his right. late wife's half-sister. Sally Hemmings was Thomas Jefferson's late wife's half-sister. So he is basically having children with his sister-in-law, mm-hmm. enslaving his own, you know, the mother of his children, enslaving his own children, Mm-mm-mm. you know? Um, and we, we don't talk about that. A man who wrote in the, de- you know, the primary writer of the Declaration of Independence, who wrote in the Declaration of Independence, merciless Indian savages. We love talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not realizing that he got that from John Locke, who himself was involved, you know, somebody from the Enlightenment, who himself was involved in the slave trade. You know, John Locke, Voltaire, Montesquieu, all those guys that were, not all of them, but most of those Enlightenment writers, those people we love to uh, laud and praise for their ideas about government, read what they had to say about black people. Mm-mm-mm. I did that last year in one of my social studies classes. Read what they had to say about black people, how they felt about black people and people who weren't white. Read about it. And, and, and make, you know, what I tell my students is, you know, I'm going to present you with the facts. You tell me what you think. I'm going to ask you some hard questions, but you tell me what you think. You so, know? Sounds you like know, they, you're trying to get them okay, to you know, teach them critical thinking skills. Sounds like. Yes, sir. And that's basically what it boils down to, Scotty. We give them the facts. We ask the hard questions because this is about inquiry. Because we want them to look at history with a critical lens. We want them to make the connections between what has happened in the past and what has happened in the future. I mean, what's happening now um, during contemporary times. That's what we want. We want them to be able to make the connections because the first thing they're going to say, well, I got to learn this. Well, I got to learn history. You know, this stuff that already happened. Yes, but we need you to study it so that you can make connections to what's happening right now and what may happen in the future. Right. You know, right. I, you know, ask a student, ask a student, why, why, why are only four percent to five percent of K through twelve teachers in North Carolina black men, but forty nine percent of those in state prisons are black men, in North Carolina state prisons are black men. Mm-hmm. You know, ask them questions like that. Why are the majority of those who are expelled or receive short-term suspensions, long-term suspensions, in-school suspensions, why are the majority of those K-12 students African-American males? Why are the ones who receive the, 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 the majority of the juvenile justice referrals in public education African-American males? You know, that's the kind of stuff I like to ask in class. And all I'm doing is giving you the data. I'm just telling you what, what, what the data said. I want you to tell me what you think. Unfor- hey, those you know? those students of yours are very fortunate because when I started broadcasting at six thirty, and one of the things I was saying is that you know most teachers pressure is put on them to teach to a test where the student is just that's right just regurgitating you know uh, the answers mm-hmm. and it's not answers that they came mm-hmm. to through critical analysis. 
and and so you know mm-hmm. and so somebody had told me that you know we don't give young people enough credit we think that some of these things might be above them but hell we don't know no. we, don't, we don't give them a chance brother i was on a i was on a webinar with the public school forum of north carolina it was a student voices webinar and one of the things that one of the young ladies this this um young black woman matter of fact she had been admitted to harvard smart sharp young lady one of the things she said that blew me away she was like you know we want to talk about current events in class but sometimes our schools don't want us to because they're too controversial and you know we don't know you know they they don't want parents to get upset she said but you can sit there and act like these things don't happen all you want and she held up a cell phone she said we got these Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, you think we don't we don't we can't go online and see these things we can't see these police killings mm-hmm. of unarmed black men and women she said we don't see george floyd we don't see uh, ahmaud arbery we don't see you know she said you don't think we can see that stuff that we all we got to do is go on our phone and pull it up she said it's shared all over the world yes, she said, then is. when we come to school you don't want us to talk about it Mm-mm. why you know, and I was just—I was just blown away by it. Now that that young lady was in high school, I teach middle school, but I was just like, "Wow!" I, you I, know, I, and so uh, go ahead. I'm I sorry. have a quote from you. Go ahead and finish your story before we switch to this quote now, from you. Yeah, yeah. I was—I was going to say that you know, one of the proudest moments of my teaching career, man, was after uh, the events of January sixth. You know, everybody's at home. We're all watching it in real time. I was, I was um, not surprised. <laughs> Being a historian, I was not surprised, right? Because um, the University of Chicago did a study, and um, what they found out was, you know, of course, the majority of those who were involved in the Capitol Hill uh, riot is what I'll call it uh, were white. One of the the uh, the, the overwhelming factor. Um, and their actions, according to this University of Chicago study, was this theory of the great replacement that mm-hmm. the rights of black and Hispanic people are outpacing the rights of white people. Mm-hmm. That's what drove it. Now, now, that's not right. It appears saying that, ladies and gentlemen, that's the University of Chicago, a study by the University of Chicago. That's what they said. So, um, you know, I'm wrestling with myself that night thinking, should I talk about this? Should I not talk about it? You know, I mean, let me just teach the lesson. You know, I already didn't got some complaints this year. I don't want to, you know, talk about this. And I go on, I get to class and, you know, we're virtual. We're not in school yet at the time. You know, I don't think Governor Cooper and him had given that directive yet to return, you know, in person. And um, I said, you know what, y'all look, I said, I can't sit here and act like what happened yesterday didn't happen. So this is what we're going to do. I said, we're on Zoom. You tell me, you privately messaged me on Zoom. I'm the only one that can see it. You tell me how you felt about what happened yesterday. Let's talk about it. And I won't tell nobody who you are. I won't even say him or her. I'm just going to read what you say. And let's have a class discussion. And I did that for all four of my classes. And, man, you talking about feeling proud as a teacher, feeling like you empowered your students to speak their piece, you know, and, you know, sometimes it got a little, uh, it got a little chippy, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, because I teach a pretty diverse group of kids. My school's 55% black, 34% white, 10% Hispanic, probably about one or 2% uh, 
um, indigenous, and maybe probably under 1% Arab. So I have a pretty diverse student body. I've got about probably 2% Asian. So, you know, I had varied opinions, but I read everybody's opinion and I said, you know, you know, from the beginning of class at the beginning of the year, I said, you know, we, we operate on a principle of mutual respect. We respect each other's opinions. We expect each other's thoughts and statements. If we disagree, we disagree, but we're going to do it respectfully. And it was, it was a great discussion, man. It was a great discussion. And I think the kids felt good about it because we didn't try to hide from what was going on around us. Mm. You know, we didn't try to hide from it. We, we, we brought it out in the open and discussed it. And like you were saying, man, we don't give them enough credit. We don't. And see, in social studies, you don't have a state test anymore. You don't have a state test anymore. They got rid of that in like, I think this was the first year, or either la- may have been last year, uh, the first year you haven't had a social studies state exam. So we can make up our own. Oh, really? That's yeah. that's good. That's good that y'all can make up your own. You know, um, one, okay, looks like, uh, Rodney dropped off. He he might have had a bad connection. Uh, we'll wait for him to call call back in. Um, matter of fact, let me go ahead and just call him since I have that ability because he may not know that he got dropped. So let's see. Where is it? Oh, man. He was on the board, and then he dropped off. Um while I try to get him back, let me go ahead and take a station identification break. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed on the Black Talk Radio Network. The Black Talk Radio Network is supported with your donations, your tax-deductible donations to the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. And we will be back on the other side. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Okay, let me see if I can get uh, Rodney. Rodney, we have you back, sir. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm here, sir. All right. Uh, let me go yeah. ahead and give out the call-in number in case anybody has a question or a comment. And, you know, agreement isn't necessary, but respect, you know, speaking to each other in respectful tones is required or you'll get hung up on. Uh, but the telephone number is 626-213-5779, 626-213-5779. And, and Rodney, I just want to know, man, see, I learned, that's why I like, being connected to people like you because I did not even ever hear or come across in my own research that these ideals came from friends, these black codes and what have yes, you. Sir. Wow, man. So yes, sir. Hey, you learn something new every day. Oh, <laughs> now one of the things yep. that you're quoting in this article is saying is you can't teach American history without talking about race. It's impossible. If you do that, what are you really teaching your students? Now, I was going to say, certainly they've been teaching uh, American history or U.S. history without talking about race. Because we certainly don't, you mm-hmm. know, in K-12 through school, not hearing about Sally Hemming 
uh, when we're discussing Thomas Jefferson. We're not talking about, we're not hearing about how George Washington's dentures were really made and they weren't made of wood, but the stolen, uh, teeth of his victims of slavery. So yeah, they certainly have talked about, uh, or taught American history without talking about race. But like you said, you know, what I would say, you're teaching an incomplete whitewash version of U.S. history if you don't mention race. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you not? Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the uh, things that caught my eye was you got an email from a parent. And, you know, I shared I shared mm-hmm. another um, a link to a, an opinion piece that appeared in my local paper, I guess, trying to dispute my article about critical race theory in Confederate North Carolina and Confederate monuments, I believe I titled it. And, um, and so I did link to that so people could see the nonsense because this person, well, you just reminded me of it when you said something before your call dropped. And this person was arguing mm-hmm. for only teaching science and mathematics. And, and his article was saying, saying we only need to teach students science and mathematics and not critical race theory. So, you know, I replied to the article. I posted in the comment section. Again, critical race theory is not being taught to K through 12 students in North Carolina and certainly not here in Gaston County. But hell, if you, if you into banning topics, why not get rid of home economics? Auto mechanics. Um, what else can mm-hmm. we get rid of? English literature. Um, and yeah, let's just teach math and sciences. I mean, come on, man. How ridiculous <laughs> can some of these people be? How man? can we teach? How can we teach something, Scotty, that we're not certified to teach? Right. How can we teach something? How can I teach something I'm not certified to teach? I have, I've never taken classes in critical race theory. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's something like you said is taught at the university level or college level. And it's typically taught in high school. I mean, not high school, excuse me, typically taught in law school. Yeah, law schools. In law school. Because it's, yeah, it's a legal theory. theory. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And it's just that. It's a theory, not a fact. <laughs> you know, you use facts to try to prove your theory is correct, but it's still a theory. Right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, um, like you, like you said, sir, it's, it, it's, it's a politicians need issues to run on. And I, in my opinion, you know, sometimes I, I mean, not sometimes I feel like this is just another manufactured issue to campaign on for the midterms next year, mm-hmm. as well as for, you know, the presidential election of 2024 and the gubernatorial election of 2024. Um, that's just, that's just my opinion. But, so, um, so let's get into this know. email. It, it, it's not long, but, Here's an email. Yes, sir. Um, to me, it's typical talking points from a certain section of society. Uh, but this person writes, learning from the past and living in the past are two different things. I'll admit, I have no idea how it is being a black man and going through day-to-day activities, but I can tell you that I have personally never owned a slave or think that anyone should have slaves. What I'm hearing from this Mm -hmm. classroom every day, is he talking about your classroom? Yes, sir. What I'm hearing from this... That was sent to... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. What I'm hearing from this classroom every day I come home is how even in today's society 
that there are slaves here in America. Well, that, that's the truth if you analyze the 13th Amendment. And now you know what the 13th. And, 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 Go ahead. And that's where I got it from, 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 listening, <laughs> from listening to you. From listening to you and reading your posts and, you know, you breaking down the 13th Amendment. And I'm, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, wow, he's right. And then I watched the documentary 13th and I'm like, wow, wait a minute. And so I bring it into the classroom. So I asked the question, based off of the exception clause of the 13th Amendment, do we still have slaves in the United States? I mean, Peonage was in North Carolina up until the 1980s. Right. Come right. Come on, man. You know? Not to mention yeah. eugenics programs. Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 this, this, this parent was upset, but this is the, this is the irony. This is the comedic irony of the timing of his email. We were talking about the Civil War and Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. What else am I going to be talking about but the institution of chattel slavery mm-hmm. and abolition and those all those things relative to it, sharecropping, Reconstruction, um, you know, the black codes, as you were saying, that were enacted to um, do away with those gains that were made. Mm-hmm. You know, the domestic terrorism that black people went through because we were getting rights. You know, uh, convict leasing. You know, um, Come on, man. Come on. How how there are slaves here in America. And what I would point out to him, because he says I'm presuming that he's a white person. Uh, I don't consider myself as a racist, but it seems society is labeling me one just because of my color. I cannot pay for the sins of my forefathers. And again, why, as I asked the question on Facebook and I asked the question at the beginning of this podcast, I would say to him, well, why do you identify with the racist slavers? You know, all white people wasn't racist slavers. Many white people made sacrifices to end slavery and to bring about a, mm-hmm. a, a equitable society. So why why don't you, mm-hmm. you know, identify with them instead of these people? And then I'm gonna tell you what a white right. per, what a white person told me when she found out my my I was related to um um person who a Scott a Scottish man who immigrated no he was mm-hmm. born in Delaware his parents immigrated here from Scotland he was born and his brothers was born in Delaware came to the colony of North Carolina became i would call you know land owners and farmers and owned quite a bit a land he ended up fighting in the revolutionary war and so i was just talking about my discovery and uh of uh, being related uh to Samuel Rankin and so um, this white lady said mm-hmm. to me, this white lady said to me, you know what, Scotty? She was like, you are one of the few people, your family is one of the few families in the United States that can even trace their, trace their ancestry back to people who were here during the colonial period and the revolutionary <laughs> war. And she said that that's only about 12% of the population. And she said, cause most of the people came here from Europe in waves. Okay. 
Um, mm -hmm. and, and here's a little bit of black history. I was reading this old, this African American preacher was giving a speech as you was talking about the replacement theory, which those white nationalists mm -hmm. was chanting in Charlottesville, Virginia, talking about Jews will not replace us. But there were African Americans who were complaining about all of the, the, uh, uh, cheap labor being imported from Europe. This is after, after mm -hmm. emancipation and complaining about them being brought here to replace black labor you know and and mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and so that's what i was like I, that kind of blew me away and i was like i started researching i was like she's right most of these people that they saying our forefathers they are not your forefathers because yo like even donald trump his grandmother was from germany and what and didn't even speak english so how does he trace any kind of lineage to forefathers? His grand, then his grandfather, and then his uh, his grandfather come over here so he wouldn't have to serve. Then his grandfather come over here to duck the the duck service uh, in the German military. I, I don't recall reading that. I think I, think I can't. I, I think I read it's something to that effect. But they're recent in effect, immigrants. But, they're only two to three generations off the boat, but yet they want to claim some kind of lineage right. to quote unquote. Four or five. <laughs> right. This is because right. they don't know right. history. I mean, they don't even know their own personal history. Right. Or they do, and they just faking the funk. Right. I was listening to you uh, prior to coming on, and uh, I really appreciated what you said about white abolitionists because, uh, if I'm candid, I didn't know about a lot of white abolitionists. And um, I looked up Bewley when you were talking about him and was like, wow. Uh, you know, the one that's, you know, the most prominent one that we probably know about is William Lloyd Garrison because right. you know, he was a friend of Frederick Douglass. And then, you know, John Brown, mm -hmm. uh, the Grimke sisters, mm -hmm. you know, all those people who owned uh, the, the abolitionist series on PBS, which I, which I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But um, I had a cousin who told me about Elijah Lovejoy. Mm -hmm. Elijah Lovejoy was murdered, like in the street. Yeah. Literally murdered in the street because he ran an abolitionist newspaper. Mm -hmm. And they, it's like, if I remember the story correctly, they burnt down his, um, burnt down his print shop or wherever he had his stuff at. And when he was on the run, they killed him in the street. Mm -hmm. This is a white man. Mm -hmm. They killed him in the street. Not, a, not, not, and that's not even, let's not even mention the, the, the Freedmen's teachers who were white, who got harassed and intimidated and killed for daring to teach, you know, formerly enslaved black people. Mm -hmm. You know, but that Bewley I mean, like story said, though blew bones. my mind. They boiled that man's bones. They boiled him down to his bones and put his bones on display. What wow. kind of barbarity is that? Wow. Yeah, see, that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff you need to teach, that that I want to teach. You know, you got to keep it age appropriate, right? But that's the kind of stuff you got to teach in the classroom. You know. Um, uh, and furthermore, uh, you know, one of the things I remember teaching my students this year about, uh, I don't know how her last name is pronounced, but the young uh, white lady who got killed during the uh, the voting rights marches down there, I think she was in Selma, Viola, Lu Viola Lauzo, I think that's how you pronounce her name. I know who you're talking about. I, I can't, don't ask me to yeah, pronounce it she either. Got killed. I, think she was in a, I think she was in a car that got killed. Yeah. Got killed by the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a white woman. Not to mention uh, uh, Cheney, Cheney, Werner, and Goodman. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, these, these are white people who have made sacrifices. And so, you know, I think sometimes, 
the uh, the detractors of teaching that more equitable and inclusive version of history think all we're going to talk about is black, 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 black. And it's like, no, no, you know, we, we're not out to make white people look bad. We're out to teach the good, the bad, and the ugly of American history, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, is going to reflect poorly on, on every race, you know what I mean, of people. You know, we're, we're not angels. You know, we're human. Mm-hmm. We're flawed. We come into the world flawed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at, I, I didn't teach about these guys this year, uh, but you can look at these two guys. They were um, Siamese American twins. They were named, they were the Bunker twins. These were, 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 were um, I believe they were, uh, excuse me, of Chinese, they were Chinese and Yes, they were. These, these, yeah, these, these guys were slave owners. They were Confederate supporters. Mm. You know? Cherokee. And they were, they were, uh, they were Siamese. They were, they were, they were Asian, I think. Yeah, they were Asian. I was just saying the Cherokee also um, um, supported the Confederacy. And they still practicing racism against the freedmen to this day. Right. I mean, and then if you're going to talk about the Trail of Tears, you know, one of the things I told my students, I said, you know, what you need to remember about that Trail of Tears is that some of the indigenous people on that Trail of Tears, yeah, the ones who got those blankets and smallpox, the ones who froze to death, some of them actually had African slaves with them enslaved Africans with them that they enslaved mm-hmm. that they enslaved going on the trail of tears with them but we don't talk about them do we? we don't talk about them we don't talk about you know the Cherokee plantation mm-hmm. you know what I mean we don't talk about you know the Africans who enslaved their own people and weren't doing it you know to protect family members they were doing it to make a buck right <laughs> right you know because there was another one that supported the Confederacy out of South Carolina. His name escapes me right now, but he was a black man. And then, you know, again, if we want to go all the way back to the advent of chattel slavery, if um, Barack Obama traced his ancestry to John Punch. John Punch was right. an a mm-hmm. indentured servant who ran away with two European mm-hmm. descendant right. indentured servants. And then when they all went to court mm-hmm. after they got caught, then um, he was enslaved for life. And the person who enslaved him, I That's believe, right. was Anthony Anthony Bottoms was his name. Johnson. And he was an African descendant man. Mm-hmm. I think it was Anthony Johnson. I think Anthony that Johnson. That's right. Anthony exactly Johnson. Anthony yeah. Johnson. I thought about that. I thought about that this year. And the guy you're talking about in South Carolina, his name was uh, William Ellison. Yeah, William, William Ellison, Ellison Jr. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Because the reason yeah. I bring so that it, up it, is during our um, protests, and then, you know, I wasn't just out there protesting the Confederate Monument on the 4th of July. We had what we, a dramatic reading mm-hmm. of abolitionist speeches of white and black abolitionists, and we're doing it on the 4th mm-hmm. of July under the specter of mm-hmm. a Confederate monument. But when we were also going to the courthouse during commissioner meetings, some of those pro-Confederate, or I call them neo-Confederates, that was arguing for it <laughs> was bringing up, talk, talking about hey, it ain't mm-hmm. about racism, they going to bring him up. And I'm like, that, so what? You know what I say? You know what I say to people who say it ain't about race? What's I, that? Um, I actually petitioned my local county commissioners because we had a plaque that was on this big rock on the front lawn of the old courthouse in uh, Halifax. Mm -hmm. And I went before the county commissioners in June 
and basically requested that they remove uh, the plaque. And it wasn't until October that they finally did it. But I said, if you don't believe the Confederacy was about race, and this is what I tell everybody who, who says it won't about slavery, won't about race. I say two things. I say, read the Confederate Constitution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Read the Confederate Constitution and tell me it's not about race mm-hmm. because they say Negro slavery. They don't say slavery of any other ethnic group in the, in the country. Right. They say Negro slavery. Right. And then I tell them, listen to the cornerstone speech by Alexander Stevens. Mm-hmm. Who's buried in France. The vice president of the Confederacy. Isn't he buried in France? So what now? He's buried in France and was Jewish. Alexander Stevens, the vice president of the Confederacy. Yep. Yep. I say, I say, listen to the cornerstone speech where he plain and simple says it plain and simple that this, this Republic that they putting together is built on the fact that black people are inferior. Mm-hmm. It says our new government, I'm quoting now, our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite ideas. Its mm-hmm. foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery, subordination to the superior race, is his natural and normal condition. Mm-hmm. Well, my Unquote. response my response when they tried to showcase, and I'm borrowing that term from Neely Fuller Jr., um, when they started racially <laughs> showcasing this black South Carolina slaver, I said to them, well, was he allowed to enslave white people? No, he was not. <laughs> he was only allowed to <laughs> enslave other black people and not anybody else. Because that was that was the law. Exactly. That's what the law. That was the law. And, and then, that's where that critical race theory comes in. Where you can you can make you know, you can look at stuff like that and study it. But I'm not gonna do that in class. I'm gonna ask my students, okay, why do you think he enslaved other black people? And then I may ask, Well, you know, people might say, like you said, those people said in the in the uh, room, you know. Well, he he enslaved his own people. And then you ask, could he have enslaved white folks? And then they'll say, well, no. I'm like, why not? Because that wasn't the law. Right. And then you just leave it. And then you just leave it at that. Right. Right. You know? And you you let them answer it or you give them the answer, then you move on. You know, because you just want them to know. The facts. You just want them to think critically. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's the fact. Right. That's a fact. That that ain't, that's not indoctrination, as as they love to call it now. That's not indoctrination. That's not me trying to turn your kid into a Marxist. That's teaching them facts about American history and letting them come up with their own opinion of how they feel about it. And, you know, uh, one of the ladies that was saying that to me um, and, and saying that in these commissioner meetings, she's with the Daughters of the Confederacy. And I said, well, guess who else the um, Confederate Constitution oppresses? Women. Because women mm-hmm. didn't have no rights in that constitution. They they were basically property mm-hmm. too, although not chattel, you know, right. treated on the level of a chattel slave, but they basically didn't have no rights. You mm-hmm. might as well call them indentured, we'll call mm-hmm. them indentured servants, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so why is you as a white woman sitting up here caping for people who didn't think you should have any rights? You know, so when you start getting into the facts of this, you know, some people will continue in denial, and then some people might actually 
examine their beliefs and then change their beliefs based on the facts. You know, and, and, right. and, and some a, may, some yeah, may, some may. Depends on what's <laughs> really in their heart. Okay, mm-hmm. so he w- he went right. on to say history can be gloomy and not pretty, but then again, it can be good. I'm not understanding with mm-hmm. all the opportunities that we have for all while we are blaming our race, our gender, or whatever it may be when something doesn't go our way, but this is what it seems to me being taught to our children. Nothing like that I have ever seen is being taught in school. The facts are the facts. White women mm-hmm. included do not get the same equal pay for equal work that white men get. And wh- and black women That's make right. even less than the white woman and the black man make even less than them. So, I mean... Men lie, women, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Exactly. Exactly. And so numbers I just found lie, his man. letter and to be rife with with typical talking points I've been hearing for the years. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've been hearing this for years, man, and it still it still don't ring true. I don't care how many times you. Yeah. I, I know the Hitler did teach, and Donald Trump seems to be a student of the big lie. But if you tell a big lie and repeat it often enough, the people will believe it. That's what Hitler and Goebbels was practicing with their big lie theory. And, and who did? Huh? And who did it? Who did the Nazis learn? Who did the Nazis learn from? Americans. Who did they learn from? They learned from America. Right. <laughs> they even came over <laughs> they here and studied from America. Mm-hmm. Right. They learned eugenics from America. They learned how to persecute Jews from Jim Crow mm-hmm. over here in America. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was able to make those connections in class when we when I taught about the Holocaust. Mm. You know, and my students were just like, "Wow." You know, I said, "Hey." I said, I said, it's right there. It's right there in your face, y'all. I'm like, you know, and I, and I always tell my students, I said, I have no reason to lie to you. Mm-hmm. None. I said, I would never intentionally lie to you. Mm-hmm. Never. Now, if my information is false, you know, and you prove me wrong, I'm not going to get upset. You know why? Because that means I'm doing my job. Yeah. That means I'm doing my job. And I've been, and I've been challenged. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had some white male students that have actually challenged me and made me a better teacher because they hit me with stuff that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I had a white male student. A lot of you not, Scotty. It made man. It made me. It t- I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. It touched me. Made me want to cry, man. Ain't <laughs> gonna lie. This uh, this young man. I was talking about um, women suffragists, and the only one I could think of was Ida B. Wells in terms of black women. Mm-hmm. And he got mad at me because I was like, "You see this stuff? You see this stuff? Do you see any black women?" Because the what I was using to teach was from um, history.com, I believe, and you didn't see any black women in the photos or the mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, you don't see no black women, do you? And he got mad at me for, because he was basically he was like, you know, you try to make it seem like it's racist. I said, well, son, it was racist in, in a way. I said, you know, th- they were different. There were times when black women and white women worked together for women's suffrage, but there were also times when white women pulled rank. You know what I mean? <laughs> to try to subjugate black women to voice in the struggle. Well, and he went and he pulled, he, he found a black woman suffragist. I can't remember her name, but she was a black woman suffragist and an abolitionist. You're talking about Sojourner Truth. No, no, no. This one says Sojourner Truth. This was another woman. Okay. This was another woman. I cannot remember who it was, but this, this, when this boy hit me with her, I was just like, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I told his mama. I told his mama, thank you. Thank you. I said, because I know you're doing something at home that, that, that makes that boy want to learn history. And you don't find a lot of kids that love history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he, and he was telling me, he said, Mr. Pierce, when I was a little boy, I used to go to the library. I'd get those little short biographies of famous people, and I would read them. And I'm sitting there, man, just licking my chops and rubbing my hands together like, yes, I got a future history teacher. I got a future college professor, you know, history professor. A researcher. <laughs> just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, mm-hmm. you know, because he, he wants to challenge what he feels like is my narrative of promoting black history with being just more inclusive in general. He's like, why are we always talking about blacks and whites? Why don't we talk about Hispanics? Why don't we talk about Asians, Mr. Pierce? Mm-hmm. I said, well, we don't have that much history on those other groups during the periods that I'm talking about in class. Mm-hmm. You know, we have that history, but we don't have a lot of it because I did teach about Hispanic patriots like Bernardo de Galvez, who Galveston, Texas is named after during the American Revolution. And um, I told him, I said, you know, if we see that the stories are not there, then what do we need to do? And he was like, I don't know. I said, we do the research. We do the research. We do the research. We write the stories. We write the reports. We add it to the historical record. I said, that's what you need to do. I said, if you don't like that I'm not bringing that stuff up in class, I have to go back and do a better job myself. I said, and you help me. When you find something that's good that you think I ought to share, bring it to me. I might even let you teach it. Mm. That's empowerment, man. I don't care if the kid is white, black, or candy striped. I don't care. If they have that passion and they want to do it, then so be it. Then mm. so be it. You know, I I had him and I had a Hispanic young man who came at me about, you know, not teaching enough history of Hispanic people in uh, the United States. So, you know, I've been challenged by my own students to be even well, more inclusive than I think I am. Well, speaking speaking of <laughs> speaking of that, I don't know if you recall Rodney, but some years ago mm-hmm. in Arizona, this preceded this latest round of trying trying to ban critical race theory and even mislabeling stuff critical race theory that's not. Um, but you know, um, they had banned te- teaching teaching Hispanic history in Arizona, where you have a high population of, of hi- Hispanic students. Do you recall that? I want to say I do, but I don't remember all the details. Yeah, that, it, that's, that's it, crazy. It, it's been a while. It's been, that's I would crazy. say, over ten years ago, and and yeah, and again, this is not. And most of my regular listeners know I'm not a partisan person. Don't call me a Democrat. Don't call me a Republican because I'm a registered independent. So that's what you call me, independent. All right, because that's how I think, independent. <laughs> All right, and the facts are the facts, and I don't try to twist the facts to fit fit a narrative. All right, but yeah, I I remember that, and I um about cause what that what these what the teachers were attempting to do was instill pride in the students because again, all they're getting exactly. is this whitewashed version of history about the so called founders and like Mexican Americans didn't or Hispanic Americans or Latinos made no contributions whatsoever right when when right. especially yeah. out west, you had uh Mr. Chavez, who was a big part of the labor movement back then, but none right. of this stuff was being taught 
And don't forget about don't forget about the East LA walkouts in 1968. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, you know when those um, Mexican American students walked out because they wanted a more what equitable curriculum because they wanted more what Mexican American teachers. This was in the 60s. This was during the year that Bobby Kennedy and uh, Dr. King got assassinated. You know, do we talk mm-hmm. about that? Do we teach about that? I know I did this year for the first time. Because I was ashamed of myself when I learned about people like Sal Castro, you know, that teacher. There's, that, uh, well, Rodney, there's no there need. There's no need to feel ashamed because it wouldn't be hitting history if it wasn't hitting, and you had to dig for it and, <laughs> and research it and, right. and and what have you. There's a lot we don't know, right. but we we are. I'm I'm definitely the type of person that I love to seek out information. You know, I was that kid that loved history in school. <laughs> I don't know right. why, but maybe right. it's because I like reading and and fiction just wasn't my bag, and I just found it very interesting. It was like taking me back in time, like a time machine reading That's history. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, Rodney, right. I, I would like to. About, uh, talk, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Now I was saying you, you you were talking about going back in time. I was thinking about when you were talking about George Washington. Um, you know, you could talk about though you didn't say nothing about the one who got away from him, owner judge. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one of his feet, one of his uh, enslaved black, you know, African females who who ran away, got away, and he yeah. sent people after her. Yeah, he sent people to get her, and she said, and she said, I ain't coming back. Yeah, I ain't coming back. I remember that because remember back then the first capital was in Philadelphia and Philadelphia. I'm not sure if it was the entire state of Pennsylvania or if it was just Philadelphia, but after seven years, an enslaved African in that, in that jurisdiction became free and what, what Washington was doing was rotating them in, in between the first white house and Mount Vernon, you know, to, to keep mm-hmm. them from reaching that seven years of being, being there and, and mm-hmm. obtaining their freedom and what have you. Yeah. I, I remember that because I came across Michael Cord, an attorney in Philadelphia who founded a group called Avenging the Ancestors and how they found, you know, some of those people, some of those enslaved victims of George Washington's bones buried at the, at that first, uh, White House. Yeah. Mm hmm. So it's yeah, he um he um if, if you if you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance, and I'm saying this to you and your listeners, I'm I'm, I'm assuming you've been, go to Mount Vernon, go to Mount Vernon. His, his his you know they, what is it? Oh gracious, the ladies of Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a group of 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 pretty much, uh, wealthy or connected white women, mm-hmm. who who uh who own it now. And man, it is, it is, I went up there for a teacher institute a few years ago, mm-hmm. man, best professional, the best professional development I ever been to in my life. I mean, it, that, that place is gorgeous, man. It's gorgeous. It is beautiful. When you walk out on his lawn and you're sitting there like, okay, today they got lawnmowers. What the heck were they doing ye- hundreds of years ago to make sure this place was looking the way it did? You know, cause he enslaved up to 300 people. Mm-hmm. I believe. I think that's the number on his plantation. And I mean, it's, man, it's massive. It's massive. But it is gorgeous, man. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I'm not saying that to try to make it seem like, you know, the institution was beautiful or anything like that. I'm just saying the place, the way they've kept it up and they, you know, 
and then you get to go inside the museum that's on the site. They've got a restaurant on site. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a great experience. You got mm-hmm. you got enslaved quarters you can go into and see how they you know how they slept. I mean, it they put a lot of work into it. And these ladies, these Mount Vernon ladies, they actually pay for the teachers to come to this institute. Mm. You know where I want to go. The ones who paid our way. I, All where, we had to do was apply. Where I want to go here in North Carolina as soon as this pandemic is over is take a family trip to Reed Goldmine in North Carolina. You heard of Reed Goldmine, right? I believe so. It's, it was one of the uh, first and largest gold mines in the United States. In fact, it used to be a mint by a U.S. mint mm-hmm. by this gold mine because one of my uncles believed that, you know, I mentioned that I'm a descendant of Samuel Rankin, a, Scot- a Scotland, a man um, who was of Scottish descent. That was his parents' nationality, a white man. Um, and so that's through, through my maternal lineage, but through my paternal lineage or my grandfather's lineage, we believe we might be descendants. That's where the reed comes from of, of victims of the reed gold mine. And, and I asked, oh, wow. yeah. And so I want, I want to take a trip up there with my daughters and my grandsons and find out if they're teaching anything about the victims of slavery who worked the mines there. That's deep, man. Yeah. You got me some, you gave me some new material. Yeah. Cause we definitely talk about the gold rush in the eighth grade curriculum. Yeah. That's something we do, you know, discuss. But check out Reed, Reed yep. Goldmine. Um, Reed, he kind of changed the spelling of the name, but he was a German Hessian who fought, who fought with the British, right? Who fought with the British, but <laughs> after the Revolutionary War decided to stay here and, and then bought a farm wow. and then, and then one of his victims of slavery found, found this big, hunk of rock that they didn't know what it was and they was using it as a doorstop and come to find out it was gold it was a gold a huge gold nugget and that led to the uh, establishment of the gold mine so we we think that that um some of our ancestors were enslaved there oh wow wow yeah. And, and the last wow. thing I want to say about North Carolina history, and I'm glad, you know, that you're including North Carolina history and not just U.S. history in teaching your yes, students, sir. because, again, these people keep that's saying, what, um, uh, what's that? That's what eighth grade social studies is, is North Carolina and U.S. history. Oh, OK. That's what it is. OK. Yes, sir. Because ahead, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, for, but I just wanted to make sure we knew that. OK, but for those that like this person who emailed you know, um, about you, you know, this isn't the mm-hmm. North Carolina history. Is, it doesn't have to be divisive. You don't have to keep defending these neo-Confederate traitors and slavers. You don't have to do that. You can teach about how, and, and you, I'm leaning on you for this information because it kind of, the, the name of the town escapes me, but wasn't there a white black coalition that, uh, worked together to put in their people into political office and then they were destroyed yes. by terrorists, by, yes, sir, the by, populace. by racist. The populace. Go ahead and tell me that again. I said, I said the populist. The populist. The populist. The fusion, the, the fusion party. I think that's what they were called. The populist or the fusion. The fusion party. Yeah, the, the, the black, I think, I think it was called the, the few, it, it was a populist party 
of, of if I remember correctly, a populist party of white men who joined with white and black Republicans that created a movement called Fusion Movement during Reconstruction that mm-hmm. put white and black progressive legislators in office. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, That's it. again, this history don't have to be divisive. It's the whitewash version that's divisive. If you teach all of it, then people can see that those human connections were made in the interest of producing mm-hmm. justice. So, Rodney, yep. I want to thank you, man, for coming on and having this very important conversation. You know, it seems that, you know, um, the people that you answer to have your back um, in, you know, these yes, unwarranted um, misconstrued attacks on you teaching something that you ain't even teaching. But what what final words would you leave <laughs> with the listeners tonight? Um, like I said, I was on um, I was on. And I, I'm not trying to brag or nothing, but I was on MSNBC a couple nights ago with uh, Jonathan Capehart on uh, uh, the readout. And um, uh, as I said, you know, for us teachers, we got to stay prayed up. We got to, you know study to show ourselves approved and quoting scripture here, mm-hmm. you know, because no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Uh, this ain't nothing but 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 the enemy trying to blot out the truth. That's all it boils down to. And please support your uh, public educators, your public school teachers, particularly those who are trying to teach that more inclusive version of American history. Because it, it all of us are not fortunate to have supportive administrators whether that's at the school level or the district level all of us don't have great instructional coaches or all of us are not fortunate enough to attend professional development that will teach us how to teach these controversial or hard history subjects and what I think is they're not really after teachers like me Scotty they're after those teachers who may be beginning teachers or who may not be as well versed or as well read or as well researched when it comes to this history who want to talk about it who want to bring it into their classroom but are afraid mm-hmm. because of the potential backlash mm-hmm. that's who they really want to silence that's who they really want to get if, in my opinion that's who this legislation is all around the country in different states that's who it's aimed at because if you're a teacher such as myself who does your own research in addition to what other people get and you, you dig deep and you do your own research and you make your own connection, then you're good because you're backed up by the documentation. Right. But if you don't have that type of mindset where like you were saying with you and I, where you're going to do your own research, where you're going to read and you're going to study, then, you know, you may not feel as confident bringing that stuff into the classroom. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just be mindful of, of, of the people who are trying to not indoctrinate your children, not turn them to Marxists or communists or, you know, all this other stuff that's out there, but merely want to teach a more equitable, diverse, and inclusive version of American history to empower all students of all races and ethnicities. Mm-hmm. You know, support those people, man. Support them. And support candidates who support them. I, I would certainly co-sign on to everything you said, especially the part about who they're really targeting or and who is really affecting. Mm-hmm. 
and that's these new teachers who aren't as confident and well studied. Like I'm not going to repeat everything you just said, but I'm seeing that <laughs> some of these teachers are resigning because of this intimidation, and that's why I, yeah. I call it academic terrorism. That's mm-hmm. the effect. And think about this. Think about all the things that you could teach about this in class. Think about um, uh, desegregation. And then think about all the things that were done to discourage black people from uh, continuing into the teacher profession, you know, outside of them losing their jobs. That's when you see these state licensure exams starting to pop up mm. to try to discourage blacks from, you know, applying to become teachers. I mean, it's, it's a wealth of information out there if people would do the research. Take right. the time to read and do the research. Right. A wealth of information. Well, Rodney, I'm going to keep you covered in prayer. I'm going to ask all my audience to keep you covered in prayer, man. And just keep doing what you're Thank doing you. and fighting a good fight on the behalf of, of your students and giving them a well-rounded education. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Keep my colleagues covered in prayer as well. And I really appreciate everything you do. I, I appreciate the education you give, brother. Because I've learned a lot from you from reading your posts and, um, you know, stuff that I've read from you. I researched, find the fact, okay, boom, I can bring this into the classroom. You know, social media has been some of the best professional development I've gotten because I've learned from people who aren't, quote, unquote, classroom teachers, but are teachers in another, you know, strand. So so thank you for what you do and thank you for um, your platform and for having me on tonight. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And we'll talk again soon. Peace and blessings to you. All right. Same to you, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Okay, we're going to go ahead and close it out. Again, continue to support the production of independent black media by becoming a a donor to the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit. Um, I do have some things I'm working on. Um, we've been hard hit as an organization by this pandemic economically. Our donations are down and we might have to drop some of our projects. We're not going to end the work that we're doing, but we may have to trim our budget. So I'm attempt to, you know, do a fundraiser so that we don't have to drop any of our current projects. So with that said, y'all be well, be safe and peace and blessings to all.